Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Peach and Black podcast. So it's been uh, over a month now after the very unfortunate passing of Prince Rogers Nelson. The reason why we put this show together, the reason why we've been doing this show for the last seven odd years, and the reason why we're going to continue doing this show for as long as we physically can. With me today are the Peach and Black podcast panel player. 58 till infinity. Toe Jam. Uh, rest in peace. And Captain. I thought it was 58 till forever, but infinity's good too. And it's me. Uh, you've known me over the years as MC. Rob S these days. It's really all insignificant at the moment uh, because we're here today to talk about, I guess, the passing of Prince Rogers Nelson, but the life and a celebration of the life and the music, most importantly, of Prince. I really don't know how to start this episode uh, today, guys. Um, I know I said this to you before we pressed record, and I was asking everyone to give me an idea for how we introduce this episode. I don't think you can. Uh, I've got no notes, no script in front of me. I really don't know what to say. Time's just flying, really, and it, it's been it's been a little while now since Prince has passed away. And uh, Tojem said, "Rest in peace." Uh, in the intro, and I think all of us feel that way. I think his family and uh, a community of fans and appreciators of his work all feel the same way. We all hope that he's resting in peace because he deserves it after everything that he's given the world in a creative form, in a humanitarian form, and in every other form imaginable, we should all be grateful for. And I think we're going to be enjoying the fruits of his labor for as long as we're alive and really into eternity. So like I said, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I really don't know uh, what else to say other than to ask my fellow Peach and Black uh, comrades to um, start the show by talking about how we all feel and we're here to talk about his life his uh, his music his legacy our memories of the music and um you know the i guess the future really because uh, we're going to keep doing what we do for as long as we can so what i wanted to do today and what we what the four of us wanted to do today was record an episode of the peach and black podcast that I think we all knew in the back of our minds we would be recording at some point in the future. Uh, Not me. Never even thought about it. No? Yeah. I don't even know if I thought about it or not, but I guess logic logic says that, you know, possibly we may may have been recording this show at some point. But I, I think it's safe to say that none of us expected to be recording it now is what I'm getting at. And, um... The fact is we are, because we have to, because this is the position we're in. And uh, instead of talking about uh, anything other than the music, we're going to talk about nothing but the music, um, generally speaking, anyway. So we'll do the best we can with what we have. The four of us are here, and we're going to be honest, as we always are. We're unscripted today, pretty much. We're going to be unfiltered and uncensored. So you'll be hearing to the four of us Literally talking about uh, how we feel, uh, how the music has made us feel, and um, as I said, celebrating the man's work and his music. So before we really go into anything, I just thought I'd put it out there and ask everyone how they're feeling, how they're coping, how they're doing. How's everyone doing at the moment, considering what's occurred? 
Toejam, maybe if you want to lead, lead us off. Uh, wow, this is hard. It's It's been hard. Like, I, I'm sure you guys feel the same that for me, it's it's really been like like an uncle has passed away. That's what it feels like to me. I never met the guy personally, but I feel like I I feel like I knew him personally just through the music. And it's been a huge part of my life for the last 20 years. And so for suddenly it to stop, it literally feels like an uncle has passed away, like a really close uncle. And that's the way I've been describing it the whole the whole time since. And it, you know, you have moments of uh feeling sadness and then you have moments of like reflecting and and en- enjoying the fact that you got to experience uh certain things so yeah it's it's tough and i'm sure you guys feel the same i kept seeing these um like meme things on twitter and facebook and it's like you know the world's been around for you know 60 billion years or whatever and you were you know you were alive for the same tiny point in time at this you know the same time that prince was here so that that's a good thing to read that's something yeah definitely well i guess i'll go because i'm already talking yeah, it was really early, you know, in Australia when this happened because I think it was like what, about nine or ten a.m. in Minneapolis, and here it was like three or four o'clock in the morning. Yep. So we were all asleep, and I woke up at about five, quarter past five or something, and I saw a tweet. I saw a tweet from Nick Moore, and he's like, "Oh, you know, the Peach and Black guys—they're probably asleep now. I wonder what they think about this." And I had no idea what that tweet was about because there was no reference to it you know there was for him because he knew but i had no idea and i just didn't really think about it i had to get up and do stuff and it wasn't until hours later that i actually saw the news and i'm like holy crap and i'm like that's what that tweet was about and i had to go to work that morning and i just had to do like a training thing for a few hours and i was home by like lunchtime and then i had the next four days off because that was a a long weekend. That was Anzac Day weekend here in oh, Australia. Man. I can't believe that's the same day. It's crazy. Go on. Yeah. Because the morning, like, you know, I, I always woke up and I had, like, messages left, right and center. Everyone calling me, texting me saying, Prince is dead. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, you know, I've got to work. And I, ha- I had to go and play the last post at one of the schools I teach at. Ah. And, you know, I, I remember playing halfway through thinking, you know, in my own little head, I'm sort of playing this for Prince kind of thing. And uh, it was such a weird, surreal thing. I couldn't have done that. Because I just had to... Because, I that, to because that, I remember that, now. that song makes me cry without yeah. any reference to Prince. So I couldn't have done that at all. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't have to work. <clears throat> I just had to go in to do that. Because I think, oh, you know, I've just got to get up in the morning, go go and do this thing, and and then... But you had to do it because you're the only horn player, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> normally I, I go around... To, different schools it wasn't actually Anzac Day was it it must have been the day before or the day after it would have been on the Friday oh, it was a Friday. few days yeah because it was a yeah. school thing that's right yeah so yeah that was weird yeah but then I had the next four days off so I had a lot of time to you know non-stop watching TV and on the internet and just reading everything and watching everything unfold as it happened and I was I, the opposite. I was so busy that weekend, and I, I'm, I'm yeah. kind of, in some respects, I'm kind of glad it was like that because I think I would have just. It was it was good and bad though because I think because I had that time, I like just like got through that process a lot quicker than if I had to go to work, you know, nonstop and didn't get to deal with it straight away. Yeah, literally that day, like I said, I had to go to the school. I had to play the last post, 
And then, you know, we're getting this message through the face, through the Peach and Black Facebook saying, oh, one of you guys lives in Brisbane. Can you come on the radio? Oh, so yeah. I'm doing, I'm doing that. And then we had this huge cheap fakes gig down at the Gold Coast that night. Like that day was huge for me. And so I just, I didn't have any real time to sort of stop and reflect about it until the following day, the Saturday. Yeah. And I remember having a few hours just alone on Saturday and that's when it really sort of hit me. But yeah, it's 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 up and down. You'll be fine for a couple of days, and then you'll be sad for a day, and then you're angry, and then you're fine again. And but yeah, I've been listening to Prince music. Like I've probably listened to more Prince music in the last you know six weeks than I have in the last six months, if not years. I've just been listening nonstop. But then opposite, other people can't listen. Just they cannot. They're not there yet. They can't do that yet. And that's that's fine. I mean, everyone's going to deal with it their own way but i've been listening to like non-stop and then some songs you just you just lose it that's it you know what song i cried the other day the arms of orion of all and it wasn't because it's not a great song (laughs) (laughs) i actually i do like that i really like that song and oh man driving in the car you look you look over you stop the traffic lights you look at other people and they're looking at you like what the hell's wrong with him (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm there blasting arms of Orion with bloody None tears on my face. Like, what's going on? Gets... Yeah, oh, but I'm I'm okay. It's it's it still case. doesn't seem like it's real though, even though I totally 100% accepted it had happened. Like within you know 48 hours, the first day or two was just shock, and I think everyone was like that. They're like, no, that can't happen. I had a similar experience about two weeks ago, and I think. You know, I accepted it from day one. I was never under the illusion that it wasn't ha- didn't happen or it was the conspiracy or something. But you know, it it's still you know, it feels it still feels like in your head like Prince is kind of just doing stuff and you know things are in the works and um, it just becomes part of your life of like you know what's happening in Prince World today kind of thing. And I remember listening similar to Captain saying with his car experience. I remember driving down uh, to the Gold Coast listening to the Raven to the Joy Fantastic album a couple of weeks ago. And it was really like a cathartic experience for me because that, that album, you know, meant a lot to me as a teenager. And that was like your first one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, no, it wasn't my first album. It was the first one I remember like sort of anticipating and getting in the hype and, and really liking it. And, uh, and just listening to that, it was just like, it was the first time I think I'd listened to it as an album from beginning to end since we probably reviewed it. And it was just like, it was a really cathartic experience listening to it. And like, I spent the whole time, you know, just tears rolling down my, my, my head, just, uh, reflecting on things and, and remembering, like remembering why I liked certain songs and certain moments and songs. And, um, and I think for me, since that, since that time, I haven't felt really emotional since I think, I think I got a lot of it out that day. Like, you know, to me now it just feels like, yes, Prince was like, he's now in the history. He's now in the past. I've sort of lost that sense of him being in the present. But suddenly it's like, you know, to me, he's now like in, in with the, the category of like my other favorite artists who have died. It's like, well, he's now in the past with those guys. One thing that really got me was, oh, it must have been, I don't know, maybe three days after. So it would have been, what, April 20, probably 23rd, 24th. And I saw... You know, it, it had been on all the news a million times. It was like the first thing on all, all the news here, on every news, on every channel. And then, um, and I'd what you know, I was watching all that and I'm like, okay, this has happened. That's, you know, accepted. But I hadn't really, I don't know. It was, yeah, like the first couple of days were just shock, I think, for, for most people. But then the one thing that really did it was, like, I, and I'd even seen the date, you know, the, 
you know, it's like there's a picture of Prince and there's a symbol, and it's 1958 to 2016, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's yeah, that's that's what it is. But what really got me was one that had the full date. It had you know, 7th of June 1958, 21st of April 2016, and that that just um that did something in my brain. I don't know what it was, but that really brought it home. That you know, seeing that final. That's the date. That's it. It's it's over. I think probably because it was so specific. It, yeah. It, you know, if it's that specific, Finality. it must be true. Yeah. Because yeah. before that, <laughs> I'd just seen the year, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, that's the year. But yeah, to yeah, see the, the, the year's just, not over yet. Maybe yeah, that's it. But then the full yeah. date. Oh man, that wasn't good. What about yourself, player? What? How did you hear the news? Pretty much like everyone else, I woke up to the news. I was getting ready to go to work, and I turned on the TV, and it was on the TV news, and it just. I was just kind of numb by it. And that day, uh, like trying to do work, like you just, like it's just plays on your mind. And, you know, I was trying very hard to concentrate and not make mistakes at work. Mm. Um, because, you know, it's just something that was just constantly running through your mind. And, you know, like everybody, the emotion comes in waves. And I, I mean, now it's, I, I, I seem to be okay with it because of what we, got and what we had and what we experienced and like you said um you know we're around the same time as him there's a lot of people that are getting into prince now that you know weren't fans while he was alive so i kind of feel fortunate in that regard the very best scenario for all of us uh, whether it's us on the show or people listening to the show or his family members friends and fans is to use whatever energy we can for the best possible in the best possible way we can for our own lives and for the lives of the people around us. And I think exactly. uh, I'm, I'm confident that we're going to be able to do that. And, I'm, and I hope that everyone else does as well. So that, I'm like, I'm, I'm like you guys, there's certain songs that I can't listen to. They're the pretty like the personal songs or the slower songs, um, the highly emotive songs. But apart from that, like I'm listening to a lot of Prince and celebrating a lot of Prince because, you know, that's what it's about. And, um, yeah, that's where I'm at with it at the moment. I just wanted to go back to the point you made about, um, you know, how lucky we are to have you know, lived at the time. And I remember maybe two or three days after he passed on one of the forums, someone put up a post. It was obviously like someone young, like maybe early 20s maybe, saying, I'll never get to see Prince live. I never saw him. And it was just uh, this, this person was upset. And... You know, everyone, and then the thread started, and then people were posting about the shows they saw. This they saw, and I remember I posted like I put down the list of shows I saw, and and then I posted it, and I remember just looking at it and seeing all the shows I've seen, and then I go back to the top, and this this guy's never seen any, and I just feel I felt so bad for him, um, mm -hmm. and I felt so greedy. I felt like his me posting all the you shows. You glutton. Yeah, and I just felt like if I could trade one of those shows for this guy to see one, I would have done it in a second. I had a similar experience where you see online, you know, moments after it happened and, you know, there was these fans that saying, oh, everyone's jumping on the bandwagon now and all that. And it's, you know, it's kind of not about that. It's it's good that people are jumping on the bandwagon kind of yeah, thing. Like I they're totally discovering yep. Prince, you know, and what he was about. And And further to that, my son who never had an interest in Prince, is now, like, ever since um, Prince's passing, like, every day he's asking me about Prince. He's, he, he wants to listen to the music. He wants to listen to, um, you know, m more about him. 
he's he's like every day he's telling people I'm into Prince now. So, you know, mm. it's it's good. And there's probably loads of kids like that. You know, yeah. that that just happens to be one that you know. There could be loads. That's right. Which is good. But like when you, when you said you were at work and you're trying not to make mistakes. I mean, I, I just had some training thing for four hours. But I found it like by focusing on that, it was a it was a good distraction that morning. Yeah. And it was actually, I was, I, I was sort of half glad I was there. Because I know if I was home, I would have just been nonstop on the internet just doing what I was doing, you know, later that day. But it was a good few hours distraction anyway to slowly, you know, sink into my brain while I was doing other stuff. Because we had a, a gig on that night porting the Melbourne Scar Orchestra. So I was like, you know, leading up to that week, I was really excited. And of course, I get to the gig and everyone's like, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like hey, I'm fine sort of thing. Because I was just, I was so busy all day. I hadn't really had a chance to really think about it properly. Mm. Yeah. I got a lot of that, a lot of text messages and um, oh, yeah. messages online. Are you okay? Calls. So many people like, yeah. the first person I thought of when I That's heard right. Yeah. <laughs> same. Same. A lot of Prince fans got that, you know. Uh, I guess I'll tell this as well. Um, a week later, they, they screened Purple Rain at one of the cinemas. And I went with uh, Steve Bennett, who's had many a shout out on the Pizza Black podcast over oh. the years. I'm sure he's listening. And that was a really cool experience. Like, I'd seen it in the cinemas before, but, you know, this was in a good cinema. Like, it's normally always some retro crappy thing with terrible mm. sound. And, you know, it had a really good print and great good sound. And, place was basically packed and and people laughed at the jokes like just yeah. genuinely and and it really hit home to me how how good that movie is like as just a popular fun movie still relevant uh, 30 years later yeah and you know people got up and danced in the aisles at the end it was such a good experience yeah i went and saw it actually i went i've went and seen it twice at the at the orpheum in sydney which is an amazing theater in sydney and yeah it was 700 seats sold out the first, the first one, just absolutely was packed. Sold out, uh, no, it wasn't sold out, but it was basically it was probably three quarters full, which is still good. Yeah, good turnout. Yeah, but it was, oh, it was great because I, I literally wouldn't have seen that movie for probably close to ten years. It's just not something that I watch, and then to see it like totally fresh, it's not like, you know, some people watch it every six months or whatever, even every month. I don't know, but to have not seen it for so long and then to see it, I'd never seen it. On the big screen, so it was great. And then, because Apple, and then Apollonia, I went so, Apollonia in the in the lake on the big screen. Oh, you can't beat yeah. that. Can't get bigger than that. <laughs> Doesn't get any better. <laughs> and then, yeah. Then I went back the next week with a few other people who couldn't make it the first week, and um, that wasn't sold out, but it was probably three quarters. So again, it was great. It was a good experience. But before Toe Jam, you were talking about you know the the list of concerts that you've seen. Mm. There's a post I've got on a forum somewhere, and you know every time I see more shows, you know you you'll update it and you'll add to it. Mm. And after those piano shows, I hadn't updated it, and then yep. after the 21st of April something brought me back to that post so I updated it with the last few shows that I'd seen and it was 12 shows not 7 it was 12 but then again the the finality that's it mm. I'm never going to update that list again unless but, you go to the hologram tour of course oh no please no mm. 
but yeah, that that was another thing that you know. Again, it's just that the finality. That's that's the number. Yeah, I've seen twelve shows, and I'll yeah. always from now on I'll always have only seen twelve shows. Yeah. So yeah. I have to say, um, I've been talking to not only you guys, but a number of people in the last few weeks, especially in the last few days since I've come back from my holiday, some holiday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I don't think there's anything in the world. I'm not a father yet, so I can't comment on that. And aside from my wedding day, I can't think of anything by a long stretch that compares to seeing Prince live in concert. And I, I don't mean a truly, um, I hope I'm not rubbing it in for people. That's not the intent. But I just want to make the point that I think we're talking about a guy who was the most incredible live performer, band leader, guitarist, musician, uh, I think ever. I mean, the, there's some stiff competition at the, when you get to the top, but I think he pretty much trumps everyone. You know, when, when people at the top, Start singing your praises. You know you're the you. You know you're the guy, and I can't. I can't. Nothing compares. Uh, There's to a... something about his stagemanship that just it's like it's like magnetism. Like I remember at the Sydney Opera House show, the first show, literally oh. the lights go down. You know, suddenly there's the smoke starts, and you see this green light coming from the side of the stage, hmm. and the dude just walks out. And, and everyone loses everyone their freaking mind. Everyone completely loses yep. it. Yep. And it's just he's got. It's just just I don't know what it is. It's just the swagger or the the comp, like the confidence. Just this walks out like that's right. I'm going to kick your butts like <laughs> just using the piano. <laughs> and it's like it's unbelievable that that the charisma he has on stage. Yeah, you you you're, you're fully on on. Uh, you've hit the nail on the head. Um, whether it's the swagger, whether it's the charisma, or whether it's the showmanship or the confidence, it's probably a combination of all those things. But he was a guy who who uh, really had an uncanny, almost an I'll say an otherworldly ability to transcend his art and to transcend live performance and to create a transcendent experience for his audience, akin um, to a religious experience. <laughs> To quote a 2012 tour book. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, um, that Peach and Black may have been involved in contributing to. (laughs) Oh, MC, it's your your turn. Uh, What's that? How are you you now? Uh, Look, uh, I'm just putting up a brave face. Uh, I have to admit, and I don't know how many people around the world are feeling the the same sort of emotion that I am. It's really, really odd. I feel, in a way, guilty. When I say guilt, what I'm talking about is, um, is that there's a few different forms. So the first sort of guilt that I feel is the guilt for feeling the way I feel, which is which is ridiculous. Actually, it's kind of crazy. What I mean by that is, I'm mourning about someone who I didn't know, in the truest sense of the word. I didn't know him. Yeah, we know him through his music, but we don't know the person. But but even there, you know, I don't. I disagree. To, to a to a big extent, well, not a big extent. To some extent, you do know him through the I, incredible amount of music. I, I you know, guess that that's him. That's I guess, him. Yeah. I, look, I guess where I'm. I know I, you can't I'm, compare that to you know you you go and drink beer with him on a Friday night, but as well as we could, you know. I I, I guess well, I think what I'm trying to say is that 
again, this is just my opinion, but I, I uh, don't think I ever became a fanatic of his work. But at the same time, I was certainly a hardcore fan and certainly still am. And what I mean by that is, do, do I really lose sleep over intimate personal details about this guy's life? No, I don't. No. But but am I completely obsessed by hearing every uh, possible piece of music that he ever recorded and every bootleg and every attending as many shows as I can? The, the honest answer is a, a huge yes. So, and I think all of us are, are like that. We wanted to hear as much of his music as we could. We wanted to know everything about the recordings, the musicianship, the inspirations, the, because we were completely enamored by the music. And, you know, at the end of the day, what I'm getting at is you need to separate the person yeah. from the creativity, from the creations. Yeah. And I think I've always had a fairly healthy balance. Some would argue against that, but I feel like I've got a fairly healthy balance. No, I um, totally agree. I totally agree. Because a lot of people are like, ask me like are you are you okay i'm like yeah i'm okay i mean i'm upset i'm i'm sad but i'm not like i know there are people out there who are like who who find who can't do that who cannot separate the man from from mm. music yeah so so the, the 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 guilt aspect of what i'm saying just to touch on toe jam's point is i feel guilty for feeling how i feel in the sense that i'm i'm incredibly i'm incredibly sad i'm i'm devastated by the fact that he's his life has ended but i'm i'm sadder for him than I am for myself, if that makes sense. I, that makes sense. I feel terrible for the guy, even though it's the music that brought me here. I actually feel, as a human being, I feel terrible for him. And you know, following on from that, I feel terrible for us, us. And when I say us, I mean everyone as an audience, because we weren't hearing any new music. But you know what? That's not really that's not really important. What's important is what we have experienced and. Um, I was talking with a, a good friend of mine recently, talking about what the word record means, you know, to have a record of something. And the fact is this, if if Prince were around in the 19th century, we would have no record of his music, really, of his accomplishments, of his achievements. We certainly wouldn't have video footage. Hmm. We're talking, you know, we're talk to the point that you guys made about when we were born, wh wh the time that we're alive. You're right. You're completely on the money. We were we were yeah. alive at a time when he was he was here and we were here at the same time. You know that that instrumental piece of music that he opened his piano and microphone shows with was called Confluence, which is a piece. A player kindly uh, informed us was a uh, a piece of music recorded, I believe, by John Williams for the Memoirs of a, Ga a Geisha soundtrack. Con I looked up the definition of confluence, and I may have mentioned this on the show which is basically where two streams meet or two separate objects meet together and create something, you know, they, they come together, something as one, joining as together, one. right, as, and, and as one and creating something as one. We were there. You know, I'm not talking about Peach and Black. I'm talking about everyone who was there at a show, at a dance party, at an event, at a press conference, at a record store where you, where you, where you lined up for, you know, for hours to get the latest release. We were all there and we experienced something that in the great cosmos of the world is fairly is a fairly small chunk of time, you know, in the eons and the billions of years that the, the, the planets and the universe, when you think about the age of the universe, this conversation starts becoming a bit crazy, right? Um, we were here for that small so that, amount of it's time. It's a blink of an eye. 
yeah, it's a blink of an eye and we experienced it with him and we fueled him, you know, the audience fueled the artist and the artist fuels the audience and uh, you can't have one without the other. So I'm ranting and raving a little bit, but yeah, I guess I agree. I'm like, that's, yeah. that's what I struggled with in the days after was t- that separation to, because like you feel like you know him, but you don't know him personally and it's, it's a weird thing. Like for yeah. me, like I, I can't remember the episode where we talked about how we got into Prince. I think what I said was was which is the truth. Like I grew up as an only child, and you know I listened to his music and I really related to it. And so like they became like the music was like a brother or sister because you know I didn't have anybody to play with or talk to and all that. So that I made that connection. I didn't tell this story, which is when I was. In primary school, I was at school and, you know, kids would build like these catapults from, you know, rulers and pencils and, Hmm. you know, all sorts of stationery. And um, I was in like the third grade and a a kid made this catapult and the catapult had a pencil. He launched the catapult and the pencil went from across the room over to me and it struck me in the left eye. Ooh. And... I look down and the pencil drops down and the lead's in my eye. Ooh. And I went to well initially I didn't go to I didn't go to hospital and it was you know when you have, you feel like there's something in your eye and it's constantly weeping and you, you know it's driving you nuts that that's what it was mm-hmm. it was driving me crazy. And so you know I was just a kid and you know someone said to my mum you got to take him to the eye hospital which is in Sydney it's near like King's Cross. It's in Edgecliffe, or well, at that time it was. So I went there, and they, because I was so young, they couldn't operate on my eye. So they came up with this contact lens, which was it was kind of revolutionary at the time. They put the contact lens over my eye to seal the, the scar. There's like a scar that runs uh, vertically down my my eye that you can't see with the naked eye. If you look in through like you know the machinery, you can you can see this scar on my eye, but what happened was that the, the children's ward was full, so they couldn't put me in the children's ward, so they put me in the adult ward. So I didn't have any kids or anybody to talk to. But also, too, I had this eye patch on. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I had this eye patch for like a month over my eye to heal. But the doctors were concerned that if I was using the other eye, like the good eye, mm-hmm. it would strain. So they put patches on both eyes. <laughs> so... I was a kid. I was like eight years old. I had no other kids to talk to. And I was spending like a month in hospital with two patches over my eyes. Hmm. So that meant like no TV, no, you know, interacting with people. And so like I became essentially blind. The only thing that I could do was listen to music. And I had a transistor radio. And that transistor radio is where I first heard songs like 1999, A Little Red Corvette. And they would play like daily sometimes three or four times a day, daily. And you know, when I hear music, I see colors. And like, because, you know, I was blind in a sense, you know, you sort of build up this vision of like this artist. And that's what happened to me. It's part of my tapestry. It's, it's something that I carry with me. So, you know, I feel like that these songs got me through that. And then from there, it got me through life. And like they said, like, you know, music's a soundtrack to your life. And so, you know, at certain points of your life, like I know at certain points of my life, oh, you know, that's when this happened, you know, that's when the Love Symbol album came out. Well, this is when 
the gold experience came out. You know, this is, you know, you, there's markers in your life where you know that things happen. And so when things like Prince's passing comes along, it's very hard to accept it because, you, like for me, it's like a, you know, a relative of sorts. And that's what I had trouble to, to separate is that, no, this is not someone that you actually know. It's just the music, you know. So that's, that's where it kind of, you know, blurs the lines for me. And that's, yeah, just something that, that is, is just something that I'm still trying to work out. That's good. I appreciate, uh, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I'll just tag on the end of that then. Yeah. I think I was more upset when Prince died than, than I can recall being upset when, like, some family members have died, which is really weird. And, Captain, I, I, think, weird. I think that's why... Um, when I said the word guilt, that's also what I meant. I mean, mm. it wasn't just about that I felt guilty. It's 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 so difficult to explain, you know. There's like, con- yeah. conflicting emotions, I think, but um, yeah, I agree. I think, you know, the way our brains work kind of thing, you kind of build up these mental characters mm. like, within you kind of thing. And, if, you know, you know that you don't know the guy. You know that, but that doesn't mean your brain doesn't create, mm. like, a character in your head kind of thing. And so... It really, like, again, like, I never knew the guy personally, but it really did feel like a, like a close uncle had died. So. Completely, yeah. The lines are blurred. It's not as clear as, he was just the guy, I'll listen to the music only. The, blo- the lines were blurred, and there was something else going on there where I think we all respected him, and we continue to respect him, not just for the sounds that he created, but the stances he took, the things he said, the things he stood for. And now what's becoming very apparent, which is something that I spent very little time thinking about while he was alive, is all the philanthropic work Van Jones and, and similar people have brought to the fore, which is incredibly heartwarming to hear about, um, which is really, you know, not the point of the Peach and Black podcast, because we talk about the music and our love of the music, but there was something much deeper and much more arguably more important that he was doing in his private life. So there's so many layers to this conversation and to talking about the fact that he's passed away and talking about the art and the man that it, it is difficult to, um, well, I think, I think, um, the, you know, the, the real Prince, like we were kind of talking about the, the image of Prince that our brains have created kind of thing. I think the real Prince was a very complex person. And I think there are so many things that I really was on board with. And then in, you know, in terms of like, I'm thinking like his political views, his religious views, his, you know, th- uh, stance on certain issues like some of them i was like yes i totally agree and there's others i was like didn't really affect me one way or the other and then there were others that i totally disagreed with and i think he's a very complex person i mean i guess that's the same with everyone like you know with everyone you can you can have something you agree with and you know don't care and just and disagree with but i think because prince was such the kind of person that not that he would have strong opinions he certainly did on some issues but no i'll take the back i think he did have strong opinions on things and i i think whether you agree with them or not that that's a quality to be admired, kind of thing. Yeah, to 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 have it to have a strong opinion and to back yourself and to stand yeah to, up to back yourself. Opinion. That that's exactly yeah. what yeah. I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. No, well, without doubt, he was that kind of guy. And that you know, I think that flows into that the whole thing that's attractive. I think to, to Prince and his music is this sense of like confidence and sense of you know I don't care what anyone says, I'm going to give it my best shot. Yeah, it's it's interesting the well, the the direction that this whole show is taking at the moment because wasn't really planning on talking about this but i will say one thing is again you raise a really interesting point about confidence toe jam because 
there's such a lack of confidence, I feel. You know, we're all afraid of th different things and we, so many of us have the same fears. And he seems to be almost like a symbol for fearlessness. Fearlessness in his, in not only in the music itself, the lyricism and, and the way that he played with, with, with musicianship, but fearlessness in the stances that he took and the decisions that he made. And, you know, we're talking about a guy who, music aside, was not afraid to wear anything <laughs> at, any t at any time yep. in front of anyone. <laughs> you know, really, he wasn't. He, he was like, well, I'm going to do this. And whether it was to provoke or to be a provocateur or, or whether or not he really felt like looking a certain way or behaving a certain way is irrelevant because he made the decision to do it and he backed himself. Very few people, I think, can say that. Whether they're in entertainment or in in, art, in the arts or, or whether whether they're not, I think it's a very rare quality. So it's like we're attracted to people that possess the qualities that we wish we have ourselves. So when you see a guy like him who is a man, look, let's let's call a spade a spade, who puts on blush and eyeliner and all that sort of good stuff, and you know puts on some tight suits and <laughs> a pair of heels and then straps a Fender Stratocaster with a whammy bar. Uh, <laughs> to, and then and it's full circle. There we go. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and then, and then, and then he blows you away in a in an in an arena with a twenty minute guitar solo that Hendrix himself would be proud of of playing. And you think to yourself, "Wow, this is a guy who really is like the embodiment of confidence." Mm. And well, um, I think I can't remember who said the quote originally. Like you know, every girl wants to be with him, and every guy wants to be him. So whether they admit it or not, they all want to be him, right? It's an interesting observation. One thing that I was going to say that another layer of the grief for me is not necessarily having anybody to replace him with. Not that he's replaceable, but, you know, it's like I'm, I'm at a stage where I'm like, well, where do I go from here? Like, who do I turn to to – I mean, yes, you can revisit Prince's music and we can always do that, but like – there's, there's no one on like his level that yeah, I was thinking. I was, think I was thinking that the other day, and the answer is, yeah. you know, do you go and find a new one? And the, the answer is well, no. I'm, I'm done. That's it. But I would like to like still like, like seek out other artists. But I don't think I will ever find someone as unique. And mm. I mean, we're never going to find anyone like him. And that's the, that's the thing. I mean, I love D'Angelo, but I, I'm going to be totally blunt about this he doesn't output enough to hold my interest like he puts out great work but i you know i can't well, an album every 10 years th th that's the thing see and i love his work and i love everything about him but it's like that's it's too long sort of thing well it's, luckily... it, that's the thing with that like you say mc we're sport prince fans we always got music all the time every year or even like internet releases we, we always got spoiled you know, artists like around, they can't do that. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the fortunate thing about what you said is that you don't have to replace him and you don't have to find anything new because the wealth of recorded material and, and emphasis is on the word recorded for posterity, recorded, it's there. There's a record and it will never go away. You can never destroy all yeah. copies of Purple Rain or Son of the Times or Love Sexy or whatever. You can't do it physically. It's impossible, which means a record will always be there, which means anytime you want to think about this, anytime any of us want to listen to Love Sexy, guess what? Hmm. We don't even have to play the record, even though I prefer the LP, uh, the vinyl version. Uh, we can go and get a digital copy and just play it, put on a pair of earphones, 
I think and play it. And, and we the, can do that forever. I think what players getting it, and I was thinking this the other day as well, is that there's it's I love the experience of, you know, getting home from work or waking up in the morning and there's a new Prince track. Yeah, He's put out some new track. Yeah. And I love that ex- I love that experience of, you know, making sure there's no other noise around me, getting on headphones, cranking it up and going, right, clicking play on the new Prince track. But, but and it was always what? like yeah. you listen to it the first time you think, Oh, okay, fair enough, and then the second time you think, Yeah, and it's always like the third time it hits you, like, yes, yes, I get this. This is cool. Or well, most of the time. And you'll never experience that again. Even I though just... there will be songs coming out from the vault, you'll always, listening to it, you'll always be in the back of your head thinking, this is from 1997, or this is from 1996, or whatever. You'll never have that experience of, this is what Prince is doing right now, and this is the new thing he's doing. Mm. Yeah, you kind of got me with that one because I was about to start refuting you. And then, and then yeah. you were, no, and, I thought and, about that. I thought about the reputation. So. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's something else that got me the other day as well. I was, you know, like you said, you come home, you know, and there, oh, there's, there's a new track. You might have known that was coming out or you might not have known that was coming out. It's not like you were waiting for that track, but you came home and it was there. But there was always in the back of your head that there's going to be... Um, yeah, you know, eventually there's going to be another song, there's going to be another album, there's going to be another tour, you're going to go and see him. And that all hit me, I don't know, probably about a week or two ago. It's like, that's that's not going to happen again. The finality. There's no it. more, again, it, it keeps coming back to that, it's the finality. I'm never going to see another concert. There's never going to be, a, like Toe Jam said, a new album of new music, you know. That's, as much as, that, as, much that's as what I, gets me. As much as I agree with, with everything that you guys are saying, because... It's hard not to agree when it's plain fact. I mean, what you're saying is completely, it's, it, it is. It, it is. just is. It's the truth. That is the truth. You, you, what you guys are saying is completely true. However, I feel like I may not have said this in the days following his passing, but, but it's been a little while now and I feel like with enough uh, reflection, I've come to the conclusion that we are probably, as fans of this guy's music, we are in the most unique position at the moment and i can't think of another artist where fans of that artist's work were in a in the same position that we're in and what i mean by that is this i know much has been made of the vault but let's not undercook it either you know a lot of a lot of people have started saying oh well you know it might take some time forget about all that prince most likely recorded several lifetimes of work Uh, what we think of that work is irrelevant when that comes out is irrelevant Exactly how much of it there is is irrelevant. What is incredible and what is, I mean, his work ethic is second to none. And you you can't refute the fact that there most likely is a treasure trove of music that we, and I say this delicately, that the four of us may not even get the chance to hear in our lifetimes. Depending on the release schedule, depending on what comes out and what doesn't, you know, after we're long gone, there may be a long forgotten or long lost Prince song that comes out after we're after we've left this 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 planet as well. And so, I make that point because I think it's really important to identify and to put a spotlight on the singular uh, the singularity of of his talent. I can't think of another artist. I mean, I think sometimes David Bowie pops into my mind as someone who is incredibly prolific and, and an incredible artist in, in, in all aspects. But I'm talking about prolificness, that the prolific nature of Prince is, is second to none. It's 
there is no competition. He takes the cake completely. Especially even more so the fact that most of the time he's playing the instruments himself. Exactly. I mean, you know, the crazy thing is there's a vault that he only supposedly had the key to. Guess what? No one other than him knew what was recorded, how much was recorded. That's so you know, true, actually. Because when you think about it, like, you know, band members or managers, or whatever, they're there for like five years if they're lucky. Yeah. And then and they're, they're gone. Then, and then they go yeah. on the next career. They rotate. Yeah. And so it's really only Prince that would know. They've got no to idea. Extent. Yeah. They've got absolutely no idea. And I, you, it's, it's crazy. He's blowing my mind. He's, he, he's passed all, away and, and, he's, and, and, and he's resting in peace. But he's blowing our minds even after he's left this, uh, this, this earthly zone. <laughs> that we're in someone may have called him up at some point and said you know what? we're having this party uh, do, come around prince it'll be fun and and he may have said hey, you know i'll see you later and stayed up all night recording more music on his own to your point Toja, and and maybe recorded something threw it in the vault and no one's ever heard. how many times did he do that we don't know he could have done that regularly 74 <laughs> there's 74 so, songs in the vault so <laughs> It's it's incredible. It's, it's it's a storage of ideas, storage house. Storage house. <laughs> that's right. It, it it boggles the mind. It really does. And I think that that's what he stood for. As, aside from the philanthropic cha- charitable side of his nature or his or his um his life, you know, we focus on the music and his creative expression. And I think I really think that we will be surprised and shocked and um, exhilarated by all the things we haven't heard as much as all the, all the um, material that we've already heard and, and that we will inevitably experience again. The one thing I will quickly say is uh, you guys were talking about how you guys found out. For the sake of just completing the circle, I landed in New York on the 21st of April after a long flight with delays, with the flight change, uh, having to sit apart from my wife and then having the good nature of a couple of people swapping seats with us, meaning that we ended up sitting together for the last leg to New York, uh, not knowing anything had happened while it was happening, just because of the what, nature of the What time did you arrive in New York? About 5.30 p.m. on the 21st right. of April. So it had already been going on for yep. know, half a day. Maybe. Mm, yep. I'll never forget this moment because we arrived and I went to get ba- uh, the bag, the baggage collection, and I took both suitcases off and I was already really, really like jet-lagged and annoyed and... I turned around and I said to, to, my, to my wife who was behind me, I said, come on, what are you doing? Because I, I noticed she, she was kind of lagging. And I said, come on, let's go. We've got to get a cab. Let's get out of here. I can't be at this airport anymore. And I noticed she didn't respond. And so I stopped. I turned around and I saw her about five or six meters behind me. And she was just standing there looking at her phone. And uh, I, was, I looked around and I thought, come on, let's go. I, you know, just, just me being me, right? Uh, old uh, old tired grumpy guy saying let's get out of this bloody airport and she said rob no 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 hold on hold on and she's her face is planted right in in a, you know in front of her mobile phone and then the words that i'll never forget came out she said oh my god and obviously i yelled out what what what's going on and that's when she said prince has died oh my god prince has died i'll never forget those words uh, i'm sure Countless people around the world had had a similar experience where they found out the news, right? And uh, I won't go through everything because it's identical to what you all experienced as well. Uh, I was in disbelief. I was in disbelief for days, really. And it's one of those moments where it just hits you. And I think all of us have been 
feeling the effects of hearing that news ever since it happened. It can be a month, it can be two months. Um, who knows? It may be years before we truly get to a stage where we, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the word is. I was going to say move on, but that doesn't even seem appropriate. So look, that's how I found out. Um, all of us have been having our own experiences and we've been going on our own journeys. Um, oh, I'll just add one thing to that. I said before I woke up on that morning and saw that tweet and I wasn't sure what it was about. I just remembered I got a text from ToeJam. Yeah, 6.05am. Worst news today, sad face. Prince has died. And I don't think I even responded to it. No, I didn't. I think I said it to all three of you because I had forgotten that MC had gone overseas. So. Hmm. Because I normally would have responded to, responded to that with like bullshit, which I usually respond to text yeah. messages from <laughs> you received, guys. I've received your BS reply <laughs> many a time. <laughs> but I didn't even reply to that one. I don't yeah. think I replied either. I was just getting so many messages at that time, yeah. just trying to wade and, through it. And I think what was really unique for, for us as well is for the four of us and for many Australian people, New Zealanders, and also some Americans, I have to say, is something that we really haven't spoken about yet, which is these incredibly intimate piano and microphone tours. I feel incredibly grateful beyond measure that we were in the audience and we were allowed to experience those concerts the piano and microphone shows in Australia. Yeah, and Sydney Opera House, of all yeah. places. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, it's remarkable, isn't it? I mean, we the, sent Prince... The one to... venue <laughs> where we said Prince has to play in... Oh, jeez, when was that show? Like That was like the first year, wasn't it? 2009 uh, I, or 10? I, I feel yeah. like it was yeah. late 2009 uh, that, we, yeah, that we, we sent Prince the Prince Opera House Challenge. We proposed it to him and never heard anything. And then seven years later, guess where he's playing? On his own. <laughs> well, 2012, he mentioned it. I mm. hope to play there one day soon. Yeah. Which, you know, he was talking to us. <laughs> that was straight to us. He knew we were there. I'll tell you one thing that was straight to us, which was if you look at the last 10 prints, uh, uh, the last 10 tweets that prints, officially prints ever sent out to anyone, I think we are number eight on that list. Eighth last, yeah. He, he tweeted us a message about his purple guitar with the metallic frame, which was uh, typically cryptic, and, and it was a nice nod, and we didn't think much of it at the time, but it takes on a really poignant message for us now and, and gives me a lot of comfort that at some stage in his last days, he at least was thinking of the Peach and Black podcast and, and of us, and, you know, it's a, it's a good feeling uh, under the circumstances. So. But look... This last tour was incredible. I mean, he did something that none of us ever expected. He played venues that none of us, you know, we, we, we joked around about it and we proposed it to him and we, we, we teased him with it on the show. He, but did. He played in Perth. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. See, when that date was announced, I thought that, that was the joke. <laughs> He's not going to play in Perth. What? Yeah, and then he did. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I've got to pinch myself when, when I think that all four of us and many other Australian fans, obviously, have witnessed those incredible, remarkable shows. Well, look, out of all the Prince fans in the world, you know, what, what percentage saw a piano and microphone tour? You know, you're right. Sure. In, a, in a way, like it's tragic. Because 2%? Probably, yeah, and probably 95 or 98% of Prince fans have never, uh, never got to experience that. 
which which is so ah oh, I just feel for those for those for the hardcore fans that missed out on something like that. Well, I remember I've, thinking because he did the uh, he did the Paisley Park thing, uh, and the European tour got cancelled. And I remember thinking, I bet you his next stop is Japan, because uh-huh. um, he hasn't been to Japan for a while. And I thought, I don't know, I just got the feeling that the Japan piano and microphone would go down well. And I was thinking, like, if that happens, I'm going. Uh, I'll go. And then out of the blue, it's, no, no, it's not Japan, it's Australia. Like, that, that works well for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, to see arguably the greatest live act yeah. musician on his own. Uh, because I remember grand... thinking I, that Paisley Park show, I said this in the last show, um, the Paisley Park show was in end of January, I think. And I remember being really annoyed because if it had been announced just a little bit earlier, I would have gone. Because uh, I, I was keen. But it was just too late to to know about it. So that's when I was thinking, oh, well, if he does Japan, I'll go to that. So, hmm. But you didn't have to, did you? I mean, didn't have to. When I think about all the Prince shows I've seen over my life. You've been to some good shows. I've been to some good shows. You've been to Montreux. You've been, seriously, yeah. Mon- seriously, MC. The Montreux 2009 like, is going down as one of Prince's greatest performances, and you were there. You think so? Yeah, I think so. It's like it's part and, of the Prince legend, I think. Yeah, and one of the best performances in Montreux history. With yeah. all the that's, that's for sure. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's for sure, yeah. I mean, I was there for, 2000, for the 2013 shows as well, and... And uh, 2009 really takes the cake between if I had to choose which of those two shows I, I could go to and I could only go to one. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. Two, if, 2009. You asked, if you asked, like if you surveyed Prince fans around the world, like, you know, the ones that know their stuff, you know, what are the top five Prince shows? Like not tours, but like single shows. I reckon Moncho would be up there. Like it, it has a great reputation. It does get a lot of praise on on forums and things like that, which is which has always been interesting to me because he's played so much, right? But yeah, Montreux 2009 does have a special place. That that may and so does 2013. Montreux, you to, yeah, you got to hold up the peach and black shirt, and he pointed it out. <laughs> more special <laughs> than yeah. that. For, and for... Nikki was there, and you know it was a big party. <laughs> we should we should say yeah. I mean that that also is a. <laughs> you're, you're right. It just reminded me. Um, that was an incredible moment. It's uh, he, he couldn't get away from us everywhere. <laughs> everywhere he goes, these Australian guys are turning up. <laughs> well, look, we, sound, we sound like stalkers, don't we? <laughs> well, honestly, for anyone that's listening to this, if the footage of 2013 Montreux concerts comes out, look out for night three, which is the night where Prince and Third Eye Girl played the concert on the last night of his, of, of his time there. And um, during She's Always in My Hair, uh, the comment the player just made, I, I don't know, it could be halfway, it could be three quarters of the way through the song, Prince is walking around at the front of the stage, and there's a moment where, unfortunately, the way that the show's filmed, you can't see the shirt, but you can see him stop, look, and point to something. <laughs> and um, that's the moment, and I remember exactly what moment that was, and he looks at the shirt and he points to it. And he cracks up, and that's the shirt the captain arranged for us with the big letters, the massive <laughs> pink, pink, pink. You can and black see that shirt. a mile away. You can see it a mile away, which is great. But the funny story about that is that I, I actually stayed until the end of that show, and the cameraman, after he finished filming, uh, filming the concert, was filming the audience. And I remember vividly that <laughs> the camera, the camera started like panning all across the stage, uh, and I thought stuff it i'm gonna just leave the shirt up and see if the camera notices it so 
if the bootleg version of that third night in Montrever comes out, <laughs> you will notice right at the end of the show that it's me and my missus standing next to me holding up the Peach and Black podcast shirt. <laughs> the best part about that, though, is all these people around us started looking at us like, we're, like who are these guys? What is, what is he holding up? And the cameraman obviously noted, noticed us because he's got this massive crane camera like mm. on an arm that's like surveying the whole audience. And all of a sudden, you see the camera like stop, back up a little bit, turn, face me, and then just go <laughs> and zooms in completely on the shirt to the point where the the two massive video screens on the left and the right-hand side of the audience, <laughs> Stravinsky, showing the Peach and Black podcast shirt on the stage. It was hilarious. Yeah, and you know, Prince, after that show, went back and watched the entire show Got to the got to the end of that and just killed himself laughing. Or he said, "We can't release that." We can't. Yeah. <laughs> that part's edited out. Yeah, we, and then it's gone straight. Fade, into the fade to black. Put Two it in seconds the before it. We, we spoiled it. We spoiled. It. But what I was going to say was, as as great as 2009 Montreux was, and look, it is still for me my my favorite, personally my favorite Prince experience because I flew all the way there, <laughs> all the way back, all the way back on my own. Either in equal first place or just behind it in second spot has to be Sydney Opera House at February, just a few months ago. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Uh, the piano and microphone shows. He transcended himself at those shows. You know, It's easy to say that knowing what we know now, but I remember coming out of that show and I couldn't speak. Yeah, my, everyone. Uh, everyone w- walked out of that show. People were coming up to me. Who, uh, there was a few people who we knew who couldn't get in to the first one. And they're like, oh, how was it? How was it? And you just like... That was me. <laughs> and you just like... Yeah. Unbelievable. Get it, the, yeah, like, you get couldn't even explain. Yeah, no. Exactly. Because you were just... You know, your head was just blown away. There was there was no words. We said this in our review, but I remember leaving and I saw Toe Jam, who was a few rows behind me. And um, we got to the end of the aisle as we were walking out of that first show. And I kind of looked at him and I remember him looking at me and we, we didn't say a word to each other. It was like it was like a mark of respect. Like you didn't want to go. That was awesome. Like you just wanted to, you know, you wanted to respect the art and just walk out quietly. <laughs> <laughs> we it was that good. We, we won't even we won't even talk to each other about this. <laughs> Great memories, um, and that's what I want to get to. The memories, you know, there's been a lot of coincidences after Prince's passing. A lot of conversations that we've had with a number of people. And uh, can I just say thank you for the love that our family and friends and fans have shown us uh, all around the world and we hope that by doing this show uh, you get something out of it and maybe in some small way it, uh, hearing us talk about our experiences and our uh, respect and admiration of Prince's music and of you, uh, the, the, the Prince fans and the community and everyone associated with his work and his legacy, get some small, at least some small, some small level of comfort uh, and maybe a lot of comfort. Uh, that allows you to um, maneuver through the uh, the future, you know, the next few days, weeks, months, and years with a level of grace and um, gratefulness, and also uh, energy to, um, you know, life moves forward regardless of what happens. So much has happened on this in the world over over time. You know, things will continue moving forward because it's the only way they they can. But one of the things that Prince's music has created outside of pure sound is a, a sense of community uh, i think he's got one of the probably one of the most diverse and also one of the close the most close-knit communities fan communities in the world uh, yeah i think so i, I really do uh 
There's so much love and support has been shown among the fans and appreciators of his work, and, and I'm sure that's going to continue. So one of the things that I, I think we, we should definitely touch on at the very least is some of our favorite memories of his work, shows, fan meetings, meetups. I don't know, articles, interviews, well, what, whatever you guys want. What Does anything come to mind when you think about Prince? Something definitely now? comes to mind, like not in terms of Prince himself and the music, but I remember living in London. I've probably told the story before on some episode at some point, moving overseas to London uh, at the age of 21 or 22 or something. And, uh, you know, you get over there and you don't know anyone really. And so what am I going to do on my time off? Well, you know, you, you go around looking at things and uh, then you notice, well, there's these Prince fan meetups. And so I started going to these, you know, these london prince fan meetups and it was like once uh once every two weeks or something like that and to me like that whole time while i was in uh england for like a year and a half or almost two years or whatever it was that was like my family like i got to know some of those guys really well and i still keep contact with them i still send them stuff like if there's any prince news i'll send it to them they send stuff from england over to me and that was even though i only saw them once every two weeks like it became my my family it while in london because everyone would just you know, sit around talking Prince stuff. And, and it wasn't always just Prince, but it was like, it's like what we do. You know, it's like what we do on the podcast, but it was with, you know, like anywhere between 10 and 30 people, depending on, on the night. And that's the community that we're talking about. And no doubt that there's Prince fan meetups like that all around the world. And nowadays it's with uh, with the internet, it's it's just, it's probably exploded even more so. so uh, with, you know, there's all these forums with thousands of followers and it really is quite amazing, like the extent of the the networks of, of fans. Definitely, and that that you know all of that speaks to uh, Prince and his music. Yeah, I have to agree. Like the music for me has brought you know people in my life that you know it's it's just amazing, like amazing people. Even you guys, like you guys, and just people that have changed my world, rock my world. You know, and it's because we've all had this commonality of Prince, and you know he has that gift of bringing people together through music so you know it's it's um like an amazing thing that not only he can leave like the legacy the music and everything that we can play back but you know bring people into your lives that are like lifelong friends and i remember so, noticing that at the london prince meetups because you know in australia most of us are kind of white and boring <laughs> whereas i remember going to there and, and it'd just be everyone there'd be africans there'd be asians there'd be indians there'd be European people, like people from France or, or, or whatever. And it was just, it really hit me like how his music can grab so many different types of people from so many different facets of life, from different, different walks, cultures, religions, whatever. The music spoke to them all. So. Yeah, amazing. So, if one thing I wanted to ask all of you is if you could ask Prince one question or if you could tell him one thing, something that you would have liked to have told him if you had the opportunity to, what would it be? Uh, toe jam. I think if I met him personally and had like you know a moment to have a proper conversation with him, I think the, probably the first, the only thing I'd say is like thank you, like thank you for for the music, um, and just tell you know try to let him. And I'm sure he must had pe- must have had people try to explain this to him all the time to the point where he'd probably become numb to it. But still, like to try and let him know that you know, his art has affected me so much. You know the way I view life and art and music. Like so much of that is influenced by his music, um, and so that would be, you know, I would just try as best I can to try and let him know that, you know, how much it means to me. But it would be hard because I'm sure he'd have thousands of people throughout his life trying to say that, and so I, I suspect he would become a bit numb to it. So 
uh, I got to say this. I would love to have had a conversation with him about religion, and I oh. know, <laughs> I, I I know that's that would have been like a, a twenty four hour oh, yeah. conversation. I, I mean, <laughs> I know I, I would have loved to have had that conversation because it would have just been polar opposites. Like I would have loved to have had that conversation, but anyway, not that I ever expected to. So just on that, someone was asking, someone was saying the other day about the. Was it the 2001? Yeah, the 2001 celebrations where where he like played everyone the Rainbow Children, then came out and like talked about yeah. all the religion stuff. And someone's like, "Oh, did you go to that one?" And I'm like, "No, I went to the, the first one in 2000." But then I thought, I'm glad I wasn't at that second one because my I'm sure if I sat there through him, you know, preaching at us for two hours, that would have like seriously damaged my like opinion of him. I just wouldn't have wanted to have that experience. I think this is a perfect time. Because, because that's no, that's what, MC, you were saying about, you know, separating the man and the music. The man and the music. If yeah. I sat there through 90 minutes, two hours of him talking about that, that would have made it a lot harder. It definitely would have separate. ruined the Rainbow Children. For <laughs> <you>. <laughs> uh, and potentially, what you know, other albums. Um, one thing I will say before I, uh, Toe Jam's given us his answer, but before I ask you guys the same question, I want to make a really quick point, and, and I've made this to people close to me in recent days. Uh, I re- feel really strongly about what I'm about to say, which is Prince was greater than the sum of his parts, if that makes sense. What I mean by that is he wasn't just one thing and he wasn't just a combination of things. He was bigger than 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 even himself. And so when Toe Jam says... You know, I would have loved to have told him about, you know, just said thank you. And, and, and as, as I think all of us would have wanted to convey our appreciation for his music, I think he may have not been able to fully digest that because I truly mean this. He, I think he was working on, a, on another plane. I think he truly was on a different plane, not necessarily higher, not necessarily better, just different. He was on a different plane in a different world, thinking in a different way. And so many things are said about this artist. I can't think of many artists in the history of popular music uh, where so much contrary opinion has been thrown at them. You know, there are people that say absolutely everything under the sun about him. People say he's this, people say he's that. Uh, He himself said that in, in some of his early music. But the point I'm trying to make is this. We're talking about, yes, an incredibly complex man, incredibly talented man. Uh, the work, I think, speaks for itself, but there are so many aspects to his work and to his creativity that it, it, it is actually quite difficult to talk about it. We've, we've been doing this show for over seven years now, and even we struggle to put into words our thoughts half the time about the music, about the work, about the art, about the creativity. Uh, that really says something. I don't know what it says, but it says something. You know, we're not talking about a song and dance man. We're not talking about a simple poet or a simple guitar player or a simple this or this. this. We're talking about someone who's complex, who's multi-layered. His uh, funk, funk is, is multi-layered. That's right. It took the words right out of my mouth. Everything about him made him what he was. Every sound that came out of him was because he was the way he was. When people talk about his faith, when people talk about aspects of his private life, when people talk about the decisions that he made, when people talk and they say all sorts of crazy stuff. And some of it may be true. Who knows? But I'll leave everyone with with this thought that that I've been thinking about recently, which is 
everything came together and, and made him who he was. You know, he wouldn't have made that music if you took the complexity away or you took the contradictions away or you took the experiences that made him the artist that he was. Everything was important. Every time that he said something that didn't make sense, every time that he made a decision that completely baffled his audience, <laughs> none of that was irrelevant. In fact, I would argue that all of those moves that he that he made, all of the decisions that he made, all the all the idiosyncratic notes that he played were what made him the artist that he was. It, it, it's quite a remarkable thing to think about. You know, often we, we have this idea about what we want people to look like, to sound like, and to behave like. You know, we want to have our cake and eat it too. We, th we thought Prince would live forever because he's not a human being. Huh. He's, a, he's a something different. He's, he's something that we can't explain, right? I'm not a woman. I'm not a man. I'm something that you'll never understand. We bought into that as his audience. And that's the greatest gift I think any artist can give you is to take yourself out of your own body, out of your own life, out of your own mind, out of, out of time almost, where you become infatuated with this creative expression that is beyond uh, uh, even human. He wasn't a human being to us. You know, his songs are way beyond that. They're way beyond anything remotely normal. It, it's beyond all that. He was immortal before, he was immortal while he was still alive. And so many, many fans of his work even people that, you know, truly, I believe, truly respected him uh, still come up with all sorts of complaints. You know, we hear, we hear it all the time as Prince fans, and I don't want to make this conversation negative in any way, but, you know, people complain about things. Everyone wants to hear this song or this album or, oh, I wish he did this, I wish he did and, that. And we've done our fair share of that, don't we? And we, yeah, we have. We have. We're, as gu we're guilty as charged. We're guilty as anyone else. We gave you know what? We're guilty. <laughs> no. I remember no. the, the, the 2012 shows. I said it. I'm sure Toe Jam said it. It's like, if he plays Take Me With You, Raspberry Beret, one more time. <laughs> oh, my God. And I just thought this the other day. I'm like, what would you give to hear it now? Hear it again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what would you give to hear it? You're completely right. But if I can sum it up in one sentence, every step he took made him the artist that he was. You know, you take one of those pieces of the puzzle out and it's not the same picture anymore. Nothing lasts forever. Captain, you, um, I think you tweeted a, probably the best thing that I've read in the last few weeks. A really interesting quote. I don't know who it's attributed to, but I'll read it out now. Oh. And the quote is, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. Ah, yeah, that's... I've actually forgotten where that's from, but it's I think it's from some poem. I think it's pretty profound. Whoever said that, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. I hope that we have played some small part in um, keeping that smile alive and uh, keeping the appreciation and joy. Uh, you know, he would have wanted us to party up, right? So we're going to keep the show going. We're going to keep doing it. I that. think I know who it is. I think it's Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Whether he makes an ham. I think so. <laughs> We're See, all good it all links up. I have to quickly ask, Captain and Player, you choose um, amongst yourselves who goes first. Uh, what's the one th question you, you, you uh, would have liked to have asked him if you had the opportunity? And what's one thing you would have liked to have said to him? Well, Turjam said he'd say thank you. Not a question, but it just reminded me that the first time I met Prince, that's exactly what I said. It's exactly, I said thank you for the music. That's exactly what I said. But the only thing I thought that if I could ask him something or, you know, 
it'd be something, but I already know what the answer is, so there's no point asking. But the question would be, do you know how much you know people love you? But he did know, and we know that. So it's it's a useless question, but it's, <laughs> it's but it's still a good question to ask. It is a good. But question. we know the answer. Mm. So yeah. And uh, player. Uh, see, I'm not really much of a conversationalist, so I think I'd find, I think I'd freeze, I'd have trouble, like, asking a question, but, um, I'd definitely say thank you as well. I would probably like to more, because he's a funny guy, he was a funny guy, and I would have loved to have hung out with him and just sort of, just kicked it on a level where, just like, you know, like, kind of like a boys thing, you know, just sort of hang out and tell jokes and just sort of hang out vibe sort of thing. The only thing, if, if the question wasn't a, an option, what I would love to do is just sit in a corner and watch him create. I would love to, you know, because I can't think of a question to ask him. I would love, you know, if there was an opportunity, my opportunity would have been, I want to sit in that corner on that chair in Paisley Park, Studio A, and watch, <laughs> you, watch you do your thing, you know, from start to finish, you know, him just creating something and just watching him. Mm. But even then, like it's like like that brings up a whole new other you know dilemma. It's like a chef bringing you a plate of like you know the most beautiful food, and you eat it and you appreciate it, but you don't actually sit in the kitchen and watch the chef make it. You know, mm. you just appreciate the food when you eat it. Is it like do you actually want to sit through that process, or do you just want the end product? You know, kind of thing. Yeah, will but it I add? Would... Will it add to it, or will it detract to it? You don't know. Yeah. But because, you know, you always see the end product, I mean, that's how we've had the music all these years, you know, that's one thing I would like to see, it's just how he created things, you know, I think that'd be a fascinating process. Hmm. Okay. See, I heard you had a story to tell us about something <laughs> you were in New York City. Yeah. Okay. So I went to I went overseas recently, and I went to the U.S. say and to Canada, basically to New York City and, and to Canada. And my wife and I booked this holiday a while ago. I want to say like a year ago, and um, we landed in New York on the twenty first of April, two thousand and sixteen. So. That in itself was not a, an easy day. The following days were really difficult, um, as you can imagine, being a Prince fan. And uh, anyway, long story short, part of our trip, uh, it was just a normal holiday, right? But part of our trip was I wanted to see some concerts in New York while we were there, see some music if anyone interesting was playing. So back in around January, so this is, you know, three or four months before we even landed in New York, I was looking at who's playing in New York while we're there, and I saw a, a lady by the name of Buica. She's a Afro-Spanish type singer, flamenco, Cuban jazz, whatever. Um, she sings a lot of cool stuff, and I'm a big fan of her work, as is my wife. We actually saw her in Sydney in the city recital hall, and I said to my wife, I said, let's go see Buica. She's playing at Carnegie Hall out of all places. I've never been at Carnegie Hall. I've heard about it. It's a famous venue. Let's go see her play. So she goes, okay, let's do it. When's the show? Ah, oh, 26th of April. When are we going to be there? 21st of April. Perfect. Book it in. We're going to be there. Five days in, we'll, we'll see a good piece of music or, yeah, good concert. So I book these tickets and I notice as I'm booking it that it's a double bill. So Buica's 
the, the, the second act that's coming on stage, the opening act is a lady by the name of Anna Maura, who some of you may know is a um, Portuguese singer, a fado, uh, fado singer, fadoista, the, the song of loss and love in, in Portuguese, in Portugal. And uh, I go, wait a second, Anna Maura, I've got an album of hers. Oh, that's right. I bought that album because Prince talked about her and I became interested in, in that music due to him introducing it to me. And then I told my wife, I said, wow, look, this, this Portuguese Fado singer is going to be on the bill as well. How good's that? So we're getting two great artists in one. Anyway, cut three or four months later when we land in New York and we have a, uh, the first few days are pretty bad because Prince obviously passed away the minute. Well, basically the day we landed. So this the point I'm making is this concert was booked in uh, way before uh, anything Prince-related occurred. And we went to the show on the 26th of April. And uh, we went to see uh, the performance. And Anna was first up on stage. She opened up the whole show. She came out on stage looking regal and amazing. And the band was was, uh, very um, quiet, I'll say. Very kind of... They looked like they they were about to tribute someone more so than play their own show. And some of the first words that Anna said were, we live in a crazy time. I said, I'm not exactly sure. My memory's a bit vague on this, but she, she was talking basically about how life's precious and that crazy things are happening around us and you know people are dying. We're losing people that we love and that she wanted to dedicate, both her and the band wanted to dedicate the show tonight and every piece of music they played to those that have recently left us. And the next words out of her mouth were, and of course, Prince. And... You know, people started applauding, and especially people who 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 were obviously fans of his um, or respected him as an artist applauded, and and there was a feeling from that moment onwards that this is gonna, was going to be a special show, uh, knowing that she had basically dedicated to the to his life and his memory, and um, she mentioned that she worked with him and they were quite close friends, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. The show was amazing. I I bawled my eyes out every second song. Uh, Fado is like the, the, the music of love and the music of loss in Portugal. And it's so emotive and emotional in and of itself that you could just bawl your eyes out listening to it without having any, anything else on your mind. The fact that Prince had died five days earlier, I was losing it. It was a very, very difficult moment for me, but the music was kind of therapeutic as well. And um, it was an incredible night. At the end of the show, she says, we're going to finish this, the concert with a, an old African song called Biri Biri or Bidi Bidi, something like that. And she said, and I'd like to dedicate this to a special lady in the audience. I love you, Damaris Lewis, or something like that. Or, Damaris. Or Damaris, Damaris Lewis, I, I love you. This is for you. And I damn near, my heart almost skipped a beat. I was like, damn. <laughs> Aris Lewis. <laughs> I thought, whoa, 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 what's going on? And I turned around and I could see that she was, she had spotted her in the audience. No one else appeared to turn around other than me in that moment. I'm looking around thinking, where is she? I've got to see her. And then all of a sudden I saw like her silhouette and she's standing and waving at, at, at Anna. And you, obviously they had, their eyes had met. And I was just thinking, what are the odds of being in, this is just crazy. This is, this is, you know, it's one she's of like theory. she's like five rows back from you. She feels it feels like it could have been ten, but yeah, about five or right. ten rows back. So not very far, and just to the just to the right of me as well. And during the song, I kept turning around just to make sure that she was still there. I've got to say hi. 
I've, I've just got to say hello at some point. So I kept turning around, turning around. At the end of the song, she was there. And then in one minute, I turned around and I said to my wife, I said, where are you going? She said, I'm going to the bathroom. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to say hi to Damaris Lewis. <laughs> so so she goes one way, I go another. I turn around, I can't see her. So I don't know what's She's going gone. on with this. She split. But <laughs> yeah, she split. So anyway, cut a really long story short. Go oh, to the... don't, don't start now. Yeah, I know. So I said, I should really say hi to her. But I was like, oh, well, I turned around and I couldn't see her. So, well, there goes that opportunity. But it, it was an intermission between the shows. And so while my wife was, was uh, <laughs> in the bathroom, I went out to the foyer and just hang around and whatever. And uh, what do you know, as I'm standing in the foyer, kind of playing around with my phone, looking at emails, whatever, I noticed that Damaris is standing there uh, talking to a friend. And I said, oh, oh, cool, she's right there. But I won't go say hi. I don't want to seem rude. I don't want to interrupt the conversation she's having. You know, you never want to do that. And then uh, I just noticed that her friend left and Damaris appeared to be walking somewhere. So I thought, oh, well, this is the, this is, this is the moment. I should just say hello. I wonder if she knows who we are. And who, I'm sure she doesn't know who I am, but I'll give it a shot. So and, you walk up and you're <laughs> like, don't you know who I am? <laughs> I should have used that line. It, it was a variation of that. So she's walking through the foyer and I walk up and she's going towards what looks like the stage doors or something or or past security to get to the stage doors. And in that moment, I kind of walked up to her and I tapped her on the shoulder and uh, she turned around and she gave me that look like, uh, who, who, the, who the heck, you just, touched who, me. who are you? <laughs> yeah, you, you just touched me on the shoulder. Who are you? Like, what kind of creep is just doing that? Um, and so <laughs> she's like, you know, get, get, she gave me the get away from me kind of look. And uh, I said uh, something along the lines of, Damaris, uh, my name's Rob. I'm from the Peach and Black podcast. You probably don't know who I am, but I'm from Peach and Black podcast. The minute I said those words, and the words I'm talking about are, I'm from the Peach and Black podcast. And you said it really slow, just like that, right? Exactly, (laughs) for for dramatic effect. Her eyes, I, I kid you not, her eyes lit up. She looked at me and just went, oh, my God. And, um just gave me a hug and like it was it was insane we embraced looked at each other and thought well, what That's the heck? thank you what? good night <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds of meeting here you know days after princess passed away so you know she was saying what are you doing here and i said well i booked this show months ago i'm just on a holiday with my wife she, she's like you've got to be kidding me because of the prince connection you know he passed away five days ago um what a how ironic! What a coincidence that we would be meeting here. So, um, look, we, it was it was insane, and it was so ironic. Not only the Prince connection, but the way that we were connected and are connected to Damaris Lewis is back in 2012, before the Australian tour, we um, basically introduced her to the world in a sense at the request of Prince. He asked us to talk about her and a number of other things in in our Welcome to Australia preview podcast show. And um, it was a cryptic request, but we came good. And what happened next was really kind of uh, shook me because I didn't say too much more for the next few minutes. She actually said, this is crazy. You know, this is incredible that we've met here. I I can't believe it's you. And then she says to me, um, he sent me, he sent you guys to me. And, and I was like, what? And she said, he sent me the show. He sent me the, he emailed me the podcast. 
And I was like, uh, what do you mean he emailed? Yeah, he sent me the show is what she said. I was like, which show? Which show? That when, when, when we reviewed the tour? She's like, no, 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 no. It was before then. It was. Be- I'm like, the tour preview? She's like, yeah, yeah, the tour preview where, where, you, where you spoke about me and all this sort of stuff. And, um, and she goes, and you spoke about how I was the avatar. And I'm like, yeah, the avatar. We're, we're, we're the ones that, that, you know, introduced you as the avatar. And then the minute we said avatar, I said, oh, I've got to tell her about the, um, the time that at the opening show in Sydney in 2012 – player took out his phone, wrote Avatar on the phone in big writing and held it up at her. So I told her that story and she just like froze. She's just looking at me like going again, oh my god. It's like validating. You know, it's like, oh my god, it really is you guys. This is really creepy. And I'm like, yeah, we did that. I mean, it wasn't me that did that. Player from the show did that. But she's like, wow, this is incredible. And it was a really, really sweet moment, I, I think. Uh, it was a really special moment. It was really can ironic. I, can I just sort of um, give the background on that? So back in 2012, Prince put us in like this media section. It was like we were seated with the other media, but it was like right up the front and it was on the side of the piano. So if you see the symbol stage where the piano is, we were right in front of there. And during Purple Rain, I think it was, Damaris and the twins were seated on top of that piano, and they were looking yep. directly in front of us. Like, we, we, we were just like, like kind of like at eye level, really, to where mm. they were. And the intro to Purple Rain that night was really long, where, you know, the music's playing, but Prince isn't sort of performing. It's just sort of doing the chords over and over. And so, we were just sort of stand, standing there watching this, and all you can see is really Damaris and the twins. So, I pull out my phone, and I've got this actual app where you can actually type a message, and it covers the whole screen of the phone, and it illuminates. So, you know, there was this joke that <laughs> Prince wrote in this email that, you know, Damaris Lewis is his avatar. So, I type on the, the screen, avatar, in big like peach and black writing, like the background's black, but the lettering's like peach and it's, it, it illuminates. So I typed out, out avatar and I held it up, like waving like a lighter in the air sort of thing. And I'm <laughs> waving in front of Damaris's face, avatar. And she, you could see her face, like she's like smiling back in the auditorium, like it's all dark and all she can see is this avatar. And I remember that night or the day after, I think she tweeted to us that she saw us. Yes, that's right, yeah. Yeah, and that was that was the story of Avatar at the Sydney concert. Now, well, following on from what you just said, but we, we basically, uh, when I was talking to her, we, we, we basically had that same conversation about, about everything you just said. And she goes, I remember the sign, and, and, and I was laughing so much because probably no one else in that whole audience in that whole arena knew what avatar was but you guys held up a sign that said avatar which was hilarious and uh so that was a great moment and then um i hadn't spoken for a while and i must have said a couple of words and she's like keep talking and i'm like what she's like yeah yeah, say something and i started i can't remember what i said but i said a few words and she's like oh my god it is you so (laughs) it was it was was really funny she was really really sweet and really nice (laughs) <laughs> this whole story has just like come full circle where, you know, four years earlier this event happened and then I bump into her, virtually bump into her, right, at, at Carnegie Hall five days after Prince passes away. It was very, very, uh, you know, I won't repeat myself. It was ironic. It was strange. It was really, really um, eerie, but it was also really beautiful. It, it was almost like making a connection with someone that was related to Prince. Um, you know, both Peach and Black and Damaris Lewis have um, have a connection to 
the man himself and the music and it was lovely it was really really nice so um damaris took a selfie of of the two of us so if you um I haven't got the photo, otherwise I'd post it send to Send it to Mara. Send it to us. <laughs> if you're listening, send it to us or post it up on on uh, Twitter. That would be great to see. Rob wants Hope to boast you... about having a picture with a supermodel. Send it to <laughs> us. That's right. So, um, yeah, that was the story. And, and it was really weird. And then she ended up going uh, to, to talk to Anna. And um, it, it was one of those really strange coincidences after after the unfortunate passing of Prince. So that brings us to uh, one thing I'd like to say pretty much off the cuff. I think all of us would like to thank the people associated with Prince and his, with his Paisley Park enterprises and uh, his management and um, helpers and assistants over the years. We would like to send out a huge heartfelt thank you to Kiran Sharma, uh, without whom many things would not have happened. So, uh, Kieran, we, we, we thank you sincerely, uh, deeply, and um, we also send you our love and our thoughts uh, during this time. We could imagine that it, uh, it would be as difficult for you as for anyone else. Um, also, to NASA Metcalf, a big thank you. Uh, thanks for protecting us in New York <laughs> and, um, and being strapped. Just <laughs> the gun. <laughs> and uh, Julia... Uh, Julia Ramadan yeah. more recently thank you for for, for your assistance and uh, your your laughter and uh, you know help along the way and I guess we have some shout outs more broadly we might as well go into it and uh, apologies for for missing anyone out we we don't want this to be the longest ever shout out on the peach and black show because I feel like that might may have been the Sydney Opera House uh, show <laughs> concept review. Uh, so uh l- let's not go too far with this but definitely a shout out to Damaris Lewis um, for obvious reasons, you are and forever will be Prince's avatar. Uh, we thank you, we appreciate you, and we hope to uh, catch up with you at some point in the future. Again, on a more personal note, it was uh, just incredible meeting you <laughs> in Carnegie Hall in late April. Uh, I'll never forget that particular night. Uh, Seth Everett caught up with you in New York yeah, as well. Yeah, did too. So uh, that was fun. We had some good conversations, had some good Cuban food and uh, – Spoke a lot, you know, shed, shed a few tears uh, and a lot of laughter about Prince and memories and music and all that sort of stuff. Uh, shout out to Dr. Funkenberry as well, who really over the last, I want to say, close to a decade has been the go-to source for virtually anyone interested in Prince in finding out what um, what's going on, what's coming up. He, he, he certainly kept the party going and has been a great uh, medium, I guess, or spokesperson for a lot of things coming out of Prince's Paisley Park camp. The one thing I will say is, um, you know, another heartfelt, some heartfelt wishes we send to you and, uh, and some condolences. That would have been a, an incredibly difficult post to write um, about Prince's passing. I think that's the most recent post. It's still on his page at the moment. So without a doubt, he would have been terribly affected by, by the loss. Uh, who else? Who else have we got? We've got a lot of people to shout out. Uh, uh, all the Prince community fan sites, um, Prince Vault, Prince Museum, Housequake. Prince Purple Army, Prince Party UK. That's all like all those Prince fan sites. It's crazy. It gets me thinking about like people like the Dawn Experience and uh, yep. Night Child and Night Jester. Child and Jester, Jester. Uh, Michael oh, Dean. 
all all those guys. Chris, Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson. I want to send a shout out to Opus Signium. Uh, yeah. Opus Signium was. I see that name on Twitter. Yeah, is he's really our Twitter reporter. He was at the for the last sort of say six to twelve months reporting at all the Paisley Park gigs. He would he would like tweet things like on our behalf. Um, I think he actually asked Josh Welton a question on our behalf in uh-huh. um, in one of the studios, and it was actually his tweet that was the one that was retweeted by Prince. Um, Prince's Twitter. So, um, oh, the one, the guitar one. Yeah, the guitar one. So, yeah, big shout out to him and uh, thank you for sharing those tweets with us. There you go. I'm thinking, who else? Uh, I, well, Van Jones. Shout <laughs> out. Oh yeah, Van Jones. Yeah. What a legend. A few people we haven't uh, sent a shout out to yet, and, and I would definitely like to very quickly send a shout out to all these people and thank them for their involvement in the Peach and Black podcast over the years. Mr. Larry Graham. Thank you for coming on the show and uh, agreeing to be interviewed. We hope you enjoyed the experience and certainly sounded like you did. Uh, that was before yep. your show in Sydney at the Basement, which is an unbelievable funk fest that we'll never forget. So thank you, sir, for, for uh, your involvement in, in Peach and Black. And, and also a shout-out. And hang on. There's another guy that has a selfie on his phone after Peach and Black <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Do you remember that? The first thing he did when we said when we met him, he said, "Oh, we're Peach and Black. We're the guys that interview you." He's like, "Oh yeah," and he's like, he, he says to Tina, "He says, where's my phone?'" You're like, "I want a photo." Oh yeah, I forgot <laughs> about that? that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. So, so, uh, so next up, Paul Peterson and the Peterson brothers. That's right, uh, St. Paul, Ricky, Ricky uh, yeah. and all the other Peterson brothers. Um, shout out to you guys and sending lots of love your way. Uh, also, I mean, you know, we're, I guess we're sending a lot of love to everyone. Eric Leeds and Lana Bliss and everyone else is... The revolution. All you can say is... Quest love. Every band member who ever played with Prince and any anyone who ever talked to him for more than, you know, 20 minutes. Hmm. Everyone. Pretty much. Pretty much. I think you're right, Captain. Uh, there's something about it that, that, that means that... Uh, yeah, that every, was part of the journey as well. Yeah, really. everyone yeah. involved is is part of the family and part of the communities. Yeah, yeah. so that that's great. Uh, someone who uh, you you may remember from from a few years ago, uh, Ms. Shelby Rodriguez. Thank Shelby. you. Uh, you were a part of the early episodes of Peach and Black, and um, we uh, included some of your uh, bits and pieces uh, in the show over the years. So, uh, shout out to you. Uh, I know you're you would have been hit fairly hard by this, and um, Best wishes to you. Who? Sheila E. The relevant Sheila E. <laughs> the very relevant. The most relevant. Yeah. Sheila E. Shout out. I, I want to send, you know, I don't want to go into this, but I do want to send a shout out to Kirk Johnson. I think that guy must be feeling at the moment. Probably <sighs> more than anyone. I think we have, I, I really think we have, you're right, Toe Jim, we, we really have no idea what, what he could possibly go through. Yeah. Man, he has been by his side for a long time. Yep, very low. So uh, lots of love to you, Kirk. Uh, one of the longest-serving friends, confidants, band members, and associates, really. I think his time with uh, with Prince goes back to the uh, mid to late 80s, doesn't it, really, from the genesis? Purple of... Rain, from Purple Rain. He was in Purple Rain. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. So you're talking about, you know... Uh, more than 30 years. More than 30 years. Incredible. Uh, obviously, you know, we've mentioned family very early on in the show, and so we send out a heartfelt message to Tyka Nelson. Again, 
There's no words. There's nothing that we can possibly say that will um, make anything easier. But we send you a lot of love and well wishes, uh, and to the rest of his his family and extended family and many people, really everyone that we 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 who we don't know. The other thing I, I did really just really quickly wanted to touch on in closing is something that I mentioned up front when we started this this episode tonight, which was that uh, this is not it for us. To use a famous Prince phrase, it ain't over. We're not going anywhere. Uh, you'll be hearing more from us. What that will look like, feel like, and sound like is yet to be decided. We're navigating through a few different options and ideas at the moment, but we certainly are happy to continue Prince's legacy in whatever way we can. One thing that I certainly take a lot of comfort out of is that Prince was a fan of this show. He certainly listened to the show. He was in contact with us on and off throughout the years. I think it's fair to say that he was very good to us and, and the people that work with him were very good to us. Yep. We've had a great experience as a result. I never would have imagined in my wildest dreams that we would have had conversations with him and with his people. The love they shared and showed us over, over the years really was none of that was uh, none of that needed to happen. It all happened out of the goodness of their hearts and out of the goodness of his heart. And, you know, we started a little podcast down under in a land called Australia and, uh, a lot, of, a lot of amazing things came out of this, and we did it for the love, and we will continue to do it for, for the love. So, you know, we thanked a lot of people. Finally, I want to thank the fans of the show. Uh, I say fans, but really listeners, people who press play and are interested to hear our voices. For some uh, reason, who knows? <laughs> I recognize your voices. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, happy to hear our voices and, and keen on hearing what we have to say and what we think. And... Um, it's a, it's a very heartwarming feeling to know that, you know, we were never shut down. Uh, Prince was always happy with allowing us, I guess this is probably the only, the last thing I can say, I mean, you guys can add whatever you want, but the, uh, just a heartfelt thing that I want to end on is Prince never shut us down. Prince never said Peach and Black need to go. We never he got a cease and desist when never got so many other websites did. Yeah, people, people were getting shut down over the years, left, right and center, and we were never shut down. He never he never asked us to remove any comments. He never asked us to take down an episode. He never said, I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to do that. In fact, you know what? He never said anything other than, I recognize your voices. <laughs> uh, I listen. I may not be a regular listener, but I hear the show. Uh, I love what you do. And we've had that comment uh, repeated to us from a number of people now, and not only him, but other people within you know, his wider organization. And um, there's nothing that makes me prouder than hearing that and knowing that. And that, uh, I, I guess that gives us the energy to continue continue the show and continue his legacy. So thank you for everyone who's ever listened to the show over the years. And thank you to everyone and anyone who's going to listen to us from this, from this point going onwards. And there's also a bunch of events. Events, concerts. Prince tribute nights and music nights and... Things like that, so let's go through that list. Right, so for in Australia, if you're in Australia, there's several nights. Okay, if you're in Victoria, there's a Prince Celebration Friday, June 17, 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. Wow, at Cherry Bar, $15 tickets or $10 at the door. How does that work? <laughs> we'll charge you more for a pre-sale, but if you just turn up randomly, we'll only charge you 10 <laughs> Okay, Sydney, 
Sydney, New South Wales, Friday, June 10, the Prince and Bowie tribute. All the proceeds go to charity at the Factory Theatre in Sydney. Tickets are $19.99 and $1.50 fee. Oh, they can't add it. You can't add $1.50 fee when it's $19.99. <laughs> Come on. Well, they have. Work it's it. going to feed Sydney's homeless, so... Work it out to be, you know, eighteen forty nine dollars plus $1.50. <laughs> You've got to think like that. Make it right. That's right. So they got a Facebook? They do have a Facebook event page, so have a look. It's the Prince and Bowie tribute. There's a tribute to Prince, two shows Friday the June 10th and Sunday the June 12th at 7pm at the Brass Monkey. Ooh. Admissions $25. Okay, so that is the Booty Affair, I'm guessing minus the professor himself, but still, that'll be a good night. Friday, June 10 for that one. Friday the 10th of June says selling fast, Sunday 12th of June on sale now. So yeah, go. Now that is the long weekend, that's Sunday 12th of June. Be there. You have to realise that the Prince Bowie tribute and the Brass Monkey are on the same night, the 10th. Oh, so you got to choose. You do you have to choose. Oh, there's no way. There's no way Josh would get on stage at 7pm. That'd be doors at 7pm. They'd, they'd probably start at 9, 9.30, 10. Right. Anyway, it looks like the Friday 10th of June's pretty much sold out. So you're going to go to the Bowie and Prince one on the 10th of June, and then you're going to go 12th of June to... Brass Monkey. That's it. There's a Prince tribute weekend, Saturday, June 11, 9pm at the Golden Age Cinema and Bar. Screenings of Purple Rain all weekend with a special screening of Under the Cherry Moon on the Sunday. So there's that one. And Friday the 24th of June, 8pm at the Basement Sydney, uh, is Prince 1958 to Forever live band tribute. It's a Purple Doves band. Tickets are between 20 and 80 bucks. Go check it out. Well, yeah, that, that one, the one in the basement, I'm going to that. I know I'm going to that. I've already bought, bought a ticket, so. There you have it. If I don't go, something's wrong. Now, they're the events that we know of that's upcoming in Australia. If you want a comprehensive listing of all the other events worldwide, check out MPG Underground on Facebook, and there is a link to tribute celebrations across the US and Europe. So there check is a that lot out. going on US. I looked at that list. There's so many things going on. There is a ton of stuff going on. So do yourself a favor. Check out that list. And that's ones already that are still coming. There's already been a load of them as well. And there's that's a right. lot more to come. But when you get to the door of any of these events worldwide, you have to tell them that Peach and Black sent you. That's the code word. <laughs> yeah. It's a password to get in. You, you must say that. Are? <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> Everyone that you meet there, tell them that we sent you. It's a good conversation starter. Yeah. Ah, which reminds me, we have another thing that's separate to the tribute nights. If you go to ipetitions.com, a revolution tour for Oz, you can sign a petition to get the revolution to come to Australia. Worldwide, uh, we'd appreciate if you sign it so we can get the revolution out here, but also to just to get the revolution touring. Because, well, I think they're, they're doing one, like a one-off gig or something, but now everyone's trying to get them to... Do a tour. That's right. And they've joined Twitter. They're on Twitter. There is a Twitter link, which is? Well, the link for this Revolution Tour for Oz is at Rev Petition, R-E-V Petition. And the actual Revolution, the group, it is at still a group. Just like the line from the movie. Yeah. Who said that? Bobby Z said that. Yeah, we're still a group, right? What's the matter? We're still a group, right? (laughs) (laughs) So there you have it. There are all the tribute nights and the petitions. Go check it out and tell them Pigeon Black sent you. Now, I know there's a million things 
coming up in US and in Europe as well. There's a whole bunch of things, but one of the best-looking ones coming up is this one in London. I think it's June... 24th and 25th of June at the Hammersmith Apollo in London. Featuring CeeLo Green, Mark Ronson, Morris Day in the Time, and Larry Graham. Yeah, just added Larry Graham. Yep. And I'm guessing Graham Central Station. Yes. Goes over two nights, 24th and 25th. Hammersmith Apollo. It's for Autism Rocks, which is a charity that Prince was heavily involved in and supported. So definitely get along and check it out. It's going to be huge. Huge. That's going to, huge. I reckon that's going to be one of the best things. Tributes, yeah. That's happening. Definitely. I guess we've got some more shout-outs. MC, say something. <laughs> I just open it up to the floor to ask player Toe Jam Captain if there's anything else that anyone wants to say to, to wrap this out. This incredibly sad show in one sense, but in another sense, you know, a show celebrating Prince's work and his creativity. Well, whenever we are back with whatever we're going to do next, it'll be, it'll be a happier show than this. I just realize we all sound, you know, miserable. But that's understandable. But that'll get better, and we'll be back. Uh, I think it's good. I think, so, tone, I, think, I think the tone's been good. It's been solemn, but it hasn't been, like, depressing. Um, I just want to say just keep listening to the music and just keep sharing it with as many people as you can. Just share, like, what he meant to us and share it with at least one other person. Keep giving the gift and keep, like, the memory alive because it's, it's just wonderful. And yeah. uh, we've done it before in more than, you know, at least a few shows. But once again, the the final shout-out has to be for Prince. Mm. And that's it. Yep, shout-out to Prince. Thank you, Prince, for everything. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. And uh, no regrets, as Captain famously said to me recently. No well, regrets. Well, that you were at the um, State Theatre mm. shows. Don't you remember across the street there was that yeah. massive sign? <laughs> no regrets. And that's where I got it from. That's true. That's true. No regrets. Let's be glad for what we had and, uh, and and keep keep it all going. It's all about the music, so let's keep it going. I keep saying the la- this is the last thing I'll say, but the last <laughs> thing I will say is a thank you from me to you guys. Thank you to 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 Captain, to Player, and to Toejam, to Scott, Anthony, and uh, Shane. We uh, we've got this this podcast somehow that's still alive and and is going to keep kicking onwards and. Um, Thank you to you guys. We, we've done it together. I can't believe it. It's it's pretty crazy when you think about Who it now. Who would have thunk it? You know, you know, I was thinking this through the show. Like, we're talking about all these serendipitous kind of moments. Like, from our point of view as well, we've spent the last seven years basically doing album reviews. We finally finished the album reviews. He does one little tour, and that's it. Like, from from it's our really point odd. of view, it's, it's really weird. Like, I know it's a coincidence, but it's just, from the point of view of this show, it's yeah. really weird. I was thinking that as well because, but in a slightly broader sense, he got his masters back. That was his goal for a long time. That finally happened. We finished reviewing all the albums. What else is there? Hmm. We got and the Sydney Opera House concert, and that was that's it. it. And you know, MC, I remember, I remember MC started saying this like two or three years ago. And at first, I was like, oh, I don't know, but I, I did come to agree with it in the in the end. Like, you know, if Prince never records another single note. You know, I'm, I'm content. I'm content, kind of thing. And it's like, it's kind of the, the case. I mean, you know, I would have loved to keep going and mm. record recording, but I mean, what we have is, you can't ask for anything more than that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. any Michael Jackson fan have got five albums to live off. We've got 39. Yeah. I we've, mean, got fi- we've got five. 39 up. plus. 
plus, yeah. yeah. We've got five albums of, of, of outtakes in the last like yeah. couple of years. <laughs> it's 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 crazy, isn't it? You know it's also cool? Free Yourself is like the last kind of like he had a few little live releases and bits and pieces, but Free Yourself was like the last single, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much what, like, what what a message to go out on. That song to me, like that ranks.